Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. <laughs> and I'm Aldwin. And Canada is a wrap for another year. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing squinty eyebrow face situation. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm just very sad that I'm missing Bachelor in Paradise to do this. <laughs> just kidding. I would way more prefer to do this. It came and it went. While we were in the eye of the storm, it felt like we were being tussled about you more than me, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, you can probably explain yourself better, but uh, the first two days of us being on site were exhilarating, fun, phenomenal, fantastic. Finally, to kind of, first of all, let me apologize for my voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please explain yourself. So those of you that listened to our episode Last week, our National Bank preview episode, I had mentioned that I was going to go to Montreal on vacation. There was a possibility that I would go watch the ladies over there. But honey, (laughs) (laughs) we went for pride. A couple friends and I went for pride. We got turned the F up. Therefore, no voice. So I apologize for the quality of my voice in advance. (laughs) You mean you weren't at matches screaming for Camila? You know, I was okay. That I'll explain later. I was with friends, tennis friends that you all know, Russell, Kevin, Ryan, and we were all collectively screaming for her, but not at, (laughs) not on site. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say it was very nice to be back uh, at the, you know, National Tennis Center here in Toronto, the Aviva Center, as it's called, the capacity was limited. What was sad was not being able to walk around the grounds and Mm. see, you know, matches on the outer courts. Typically, when you come to a session, you can come a little bit earlier so you can catch some of the matches on the uh, outer courts before you go to your seat in the main stadium. So that kind of sucked because, you know, matches like Karatsev versus Hatchinoff mm-hmm. were viewed by nobody unless you had a tennis TV subscription and you were at home. So that kind of sucked. But it was nice to be back uh, in the stadium and be distanced from other people and, you know, get on TV and get a, <laughs> get a prize because we got a prize because we had cool masks. We did. We So the Monday was the first session that Jason and I went to together. It was the evening session. Thank you, TTC, for bringing us all the way to the York University site. Um, We had made Ready Play Tennis podcast (laughs) t-shirts that were a success and a hit. And, you know, I guess this was the first, our first experience, because uh, lest we remind you, we started this entire Ready Play Tennis podcast journey during COVID, actually at the beginning of COVID. So we haven't had a chance to kind of be out there in the world per se. But, you know, Jason, myself, Jason's husband, Wade, was with was with us that first day. And I'd say probably within 20 minutes, 
of arriving on site, we had our first listener come up to us and we're like, are you the Ready Play Tennis podcasters? Those those two gay guys that, you know, kind of have some tennis facts. <laughs> it was great. It was so wonderful. Yeah, I mean, the first, once we got up the stairs and we were trying to circle to our seats so that we could be on court for the introductions or for the start of the match, we ran into somebody who who recognized the shirts and recognized the show and took a picture with us. And, uh, you know, we sat behind somebody, I think, in one of the sessions Mm -hmm. who said that they had heard the Genie interview. So, and that sort of continued when you were in Montreal and I was uh, here. I ran into a woman who's like, oh, I listened to your show. You guys are fun. So, yeah, it was nice to sort of run into people uh, who hadn't heard the show and then also tr- act a fool to try and get people to <laughs> get some attention for the show. Right. Okay, can we talk about that for a second? So <laughs> sure. day one, uh, actually before day one in the afternoon, Jason texts me, he's like, you're making a sign, right? <laughs> I'm like, I, what do you mean I'm making a sign? He's like, well, we're going to be at the National Tennis Center. It's going to be a televised event. We've got a podcast. We're going to be wearing our T-shirts our white shorts, our whole outfit, you got to make a sign. So I'm like, oh, God, okay, fine. So I, I hustle over to the dollar store, buy a neon orange. No, the first day it was neon blue. I think it was blue, blue. and then yeah. neon or yellow. I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. It was yellow. It was yellow. A neon yellow sign got some sticker letters, and the day one sign was very simple. On one side, it was because Vashek was up first. It was for Vashek. Yeah. Vashek come on our pod. And then, of course, uh, the man we love to hate, the man we hate to love, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, I didn't have enough time to uh, Google search <laughs> an albatross. For those of you that don't know, he called his albatrosses last year. Uh, so his was also very simple, Nick come on our pod. But the DMs started flying in. People were like, girl, we see you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> we see your sign. So, I know, I mean, it felt very exhilarating to be recognized and to be on tennis TV. Like, these cameramen were probably like, where are those guys every day, like, with their ridiculous sign? <laughs> <laughs> that tennis t- TV clip that people sent to us was literally, like, it was that 15 seconds of fame because we were basically on camera for 15 seconds, like, holding up our sign and then sitting down and us conversing Mm-hmm. Um, and not knowing them were on TV and then people sharing with us on Instagram that we were on TV. So yeah, it was cute. Yeah. And we have to make mention of this. So day one, the sign game was kind of at a level two for those of you that are not in education level two is like a C, a grade, a C, a grade C. <laughs> then the next day was um, Tsitsi, you know, Jason, for lack of a better word, dressed up kind of like guy with sign for those of you that don't know there's this guy that just carries and puts messages on a sign he's famous on instagram tt copies him so jason did a copy of him holding a sign that said tt do you like our sign (laughs) (laughs) and i mean i guess that didn't get as much exposure no sadly it didn't but we got a good post out of it i thought you looked kind of spot on which was cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the point is to sort of be holding the sign and like looking longingly <laughs> and handsomely out into the <laughs> distance and you were you gave me your glasses because your 
cooler than me on my ten dollar <laughs> sunglasses because I break them all. I was like, give me those glasses. I need them for my trip. <laughs> Don't forget to give them back to me. <laughs> so you gave me your Ray Ban so that I could look like Cici for a hot moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a good uh, post. And then I tried to continue the signed him. I got a little lazy on Wednesday and didn't bring a sign. Even though I wanted to, but it was like <laughs> night session to day session. It was a bit tough to get to the dollar store and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Thursday was the the Daniil day. The Daniil day, which I would argue is probably our our most popular, most exposure <laughs> received day, because of yeah. your cute, fun little sign. <laughs> yeah, and people were saying, uh, you know, you should make the. You should make the podcast letters a little bigger. <laughs> I didn't make them big enough. And then when I tried to do that for Saturday sign, and I actually, you know, you told me to go to the dollar store to get the letters. Yeah. They also sell like little letters. Oh. So I was like, I'm going to use the little letters to put the, make the, the podcast name in the little letters. Okay. Don't, don't. I think. I, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think at that point they were, they were on to us. Uh, who? Who? The, the TV world, because <laughs> I specifically made that second sign for Daniil, hearkening back to the first one that got us on TV, and I think they, 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 they read me. Uh, they read you. They read, yeah. they read you for filth. Yeah. Let, listen, let's, I know we're on a podcast. We should not give all our secrets away. You know, there's a lot of people out there that love our images, that love our sign making. We see it copied. Uh, we should be a little bit more covert <laughs> with our <laughs> with our guerrilla tactics next time around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was cute when um, when Arash from Sportsnet uh, acknowledged my sign and acknowledged that um, that I needed more to kneel in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was nice. And I think he, he was obviously using that because the match was really short. <laughs> it was like <laughs> you didn't give him much time. But then Daniil was nice enough to sort of say, you know, only my wife uh, has said that to me before and thanked me. <laughs> well, now, you, now you've now you got a wife and two gay guys that are thirsting after you. <laughs> yeah, 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 baby. Okay, one thing, sorry, one thing that I wanted to add in there. So, you know, I guess some feedback that we received about our podcast Um Thank you again, all of our Patreon members. But y'all are really into the merch, right? Like, we got a lot of messages being like, hey, can we buy that T-shirt? So I guess Jason and I are going to have a little merch sesh to figure out what can be available for all of you out there to purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, people liked the T-shirt. T-shirts are always tough because um, sizes are always an issue. And, you know, I don't know that we're necessarily in the game of being able to afford you sending back your shirt to us if it doesn't fit properly. Oh, no, baby, it's final sale. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is a you final heard that sale. First. <laughs> you heard that here first. It's final sale. So know your size, bitches, because what you order is what you get. You have to buy another one if you want the right one. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there's other stuff we could sell, too, that is maybe less size dependent. And if if you're not size queens then you'll maybe order those things <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah i think the merch um, might be a good thing it'll be a nice way for people to uh you know help promote our show and then obviously support the show um by kicking us a few bucks that we can put back into it so mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. was cool yeah i mean in all 
I had a phenomenal experience connecting back with the tennis community. I, I know that you did obviously as well. And uh, it got me really excited for what's to come. Hopefully, you know, more of a sense of normalcy, visiting more and more tournaments. Like I'm excited for you and I to be um, on the road at another ATP or WTA tournament in the States, perhaps internationally. So yeah, that's exciting to kind of look forward to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was cool to see live tennis. I was saying to Wade earlier as I was watching some Cincy, I, I just, I feel like when you watch live tennis, the the ball seems to go slower mm. than what it does on TV. I yeah. don't know if you feel that way, but I'm watching, you know, I was watching Sinner and he was playing, um, I forget who he was playing, an Argentine guy. Mm. And the, the ball just seems to move way faster on TV versus in person. But. Yeah, I just love how all, you know, you, myself, and Wade, and everyone probably watching, depending on what vantage point you have of watching the match, we all think we're Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah we're like that ball was so out like <laughs> girl you don't know shit like <laughs> <laughs> it's true like depending on where you're sitting you, you could see serves and they look, they look like they're three three you know three or six inches out but they're on the line mm -hmm. i know very strange well let's talk about it <laughs> the, the, the tournament results uh where do we start honestly there is any multiple points of entry we could talk about here. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it you to you to decide where we should start off with. I think uh, for me, obviously, I went every day except the finals. Mm -hmm. um, I lucked into tickets to the Wednesday session and Saturday session, and then bought uh, my other session tickets. Mm -hmm. I I think it's probably best to talk about. For me, I think the match that of of the matches that we saw, mm -hmm. um, the best match was Cici Pass versus Ugo. Oh yeah! Oh my God! I think Ugo uh, Ugo is somebody to watch because he's thoroughly entertaining, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he he doesn't necessarily outwardly or intentionally, um, you know, gravitate for the crowd attention but he you know he does certain things to like pump himself up and he actually does the ear thing so maybe <laughs> maybe i'm not describing it perfectly but uh yeah he's just got a cool game when he won that Halle event i was like his his game is so beautiful to watch particularly on grass so i was mm -hmm. really excited to see him and he's very entertaining to watch he pulled out that second set and unfortunately uh ran out of gas in the third but uh, he was a player that I really enjoyed uh, watching at this year's tournament. Yeah, I mean, consider that the last match that we watched before um, Umber and my ex-boyfriend was Opelka versus Kyrgios, which was a snore fest. Like, <laughs> talk about a guy that's supposed to be an entertainer came out. I mean, the only entertaining part really to that Kyrgios-Opelka match was that very controversial call that happened at the end of the first set where um, Apelka hit a ball, the ball had so much backspin uh, that, sorry, no, Kyrgios hit a ball, there was a lot of backspin on it, and then Opelka hit the ball with his racket over the net, which is within the rules. Anyway, yeah. it, it just became a, you know, a hot mess, kind of like <laughs> <laughs> uh, self-destructive situation, very kind of Kyrgios type, but yeah. that Tsitsi 
Umber match was bomb diggity. That second set got really juicy. People were getting into it. Um, I didn't necessarily want to root for Umber. I just really liked the Ale call. You know, all those sort of, Ale! <laughs> so I was really into that. But yeah, I really liked the way Umber was playing. And I was surprised, actually. Like, you'd figure that a guy that put so much mental energy into staying in the match in the second set clinches it would put more of a show in that third set but it just goes to kind of show you where my ex-boyfriend's level of play is like he really refocused he changed himself out of those sweaty ass clothes with that (laughs) (laughs) babe that peach is just nice to watch bounce up and down (laughs) i mean not to say that i haven't seen it in person but you know uh (laughs) it was great it was great that match was phenomenal Mm -hmm. yeah and i we saw palka twice in a row we saw him night one and night two and we admittedly left early because he took the first set uh very quickly from dimitrov and mm-hmm. uh, like the writings on the wall <laughs> so we were like let's get the mung out of here yeah um yeah the the curios piece was interesting he was very contained uh up until that moment in the second set he had won the first set six four and uh it was four all in the tie break and there was that that net point that you talked about and that's when he lost the set it's knocked a ball out of the stadium uh i assume got a warning and and that was that was it uh for that particular match but i think of the of the four that we saw the the city pass ugo match was the best uh, the most disappointing, I would say, was the rude Sitsi Pass match because that was the other match I made a sign for. Mm-hmm. And he had obviously won 14 matches in a row. And, you know, hearkening back to Nick Kyrgios, I think once he got to the quarterfinal stage in that third round, <laughs> third round victory, he, 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 he threw a little shade to Nick writing hard courts on the, <laughs> on the camera at the end of his third round win. So... Uh, would have been n- nice to see him go through, but obviously Sitsi uh, is too strong compared to him on on uh, hard courts. If it was Clay, maybe he would have had a chance. Yeah, you know, I like a guy that can throw it back to to Kyrgios. Like, and not to say that Kyrgios is a bully. He definitely is a guy that speaks his mind. But the fact that Kyrgios can kind of, you know, dish it as much as he can, you know, what is the, what's the expression? Like, take it as much he can as he can dish it. I think that yeah. that's kind of cool. And obviously keeps things interesting and spicy for everyone to watch and listen to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think the rest of the tournament, it was... So, the Opelka... I saw Opelka a third time. Mm, okay. Uh, against R- RBA. Okay. And, you know, and RBA as a player, I think, is somebody who gets put into that category of somebody who's very boring to watch live not not so much he's Mm. obviously uh, very skilled gets to every ball top players love practicing with him because he's like a backboard um he makes x he's an excellent shot maker uh wasn't able to sort of withstand with opelka but uh was very cool to sort of see him play and see him do his thing uh live versus mm-hmm. on tv where where it doesn't seem as interesting <laughs> uh so but yeah um that was a cool match to see and then saturday night daniel 
kind of destroyed John Isner. Isner's serve was not at its level, I guess, against Monfils, who was, as you saw on many of the tennis TV Instagram clips, was bouncing around <laughs> to say, where's it going? Where's yeah, yeah, going? yeah. I was, I mean, that was a question that I had for you because I knew you went to watch that match. I mean, is what does that mean? So Isner's first serve wasn't going in. He wasn't hitting as many aces. Medvedev was just able to kind of neutralize on the serve because that was a very convincing win for Daniel. Yeah, that day. I think he he wasn't um, he wasn't serving with the pop that he usually does. Mm. Um, and you know, Daniel stands like eight hundred meters back from the baseline. <laughs> so, uh, and as you saw in that final uh, with Opelka, he gets to every freaking ball. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was, I think, just able to to read it pretty easily. I don't know how many aces Isner had in that match, but it couldn't have been more than, like, a handful. Oh. Because uh, he just wasn't serving with the pace that he had been in other matches. So he had he had worn himself down. He is 36, so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if there is a star of the tournament, it wouldn't be Daniil. It would be Riley. Yeah. Um, I, agree with, I agree with you, even though Daniil won. Yeah, Riley is a guy that has managed to fix his forehand, is adding more dimension to his game. Um, well, I don't think we really necessarily saw that in the matches the first and the second night because his serve was just impossible. I, I, you know, watching the, um, do, do we call it a Videotron? <laughs> Jumbotron in tennis? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and all of those aces that he was racking up, I mean, he didn't really need to do anything more. But I I did see a comment that was posted on the GLTA message board talking about how he's been really working on his forehand. And, you know, in the rallies, in those extended rallies that he caught himself in, I think there's one that you actually posted to our IG. He really has fixed his forehand. And the fact that he made his first Masters um, final is indicative of all the work that he's put in to the other parts of his game. So I want to give Riley Opelka a big clap clap. Other than that, he's fucking cool. Guy mm-hmm. loves, we've mentioned it on the show before, he loves a good museum, came onto the court with his, with his pink tote bag. Just a guy that has, um, it seems that he gives the vibe of like, IDGAF, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about me. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I want, but I think that's really cool. And like, he's also very subdued in his um, on court kind of demeanor. He, re- mm. I mean, the two matches that we watched and, and, and the other matches that he played, and when I watched the highlights, he just kind of gives like a kind of a slanted thumbs up, like very kind of chill. I, I, I wish that he would give a little bit more and, you know, a little bit more personality. But, I mean, regardless, he is the guy that I felt did the best and should get the kind of biggest commendations for his result. Yeah, I think he's somebody who is always, perhaps always going to be known for his serve. Mm. His serve is hella good because not only can he pop them at, like, 140, 142, mm. You and I, I think we're doing the the kilometer to mile <laughs> conversion at the tournament because we're in Canada, so we do the kilometers. Um, but he also has variety, so he can like you know pop pop a serve wide since he's a righty at like one eighty two k, and uh, it's unreturnable. So he has variety. He has improved his forehand. He was 
staying in rallies that were more than 10 shots a hell of a lot of the time mm-hmm. uh, does have a pretty solid backhand could use some work there also mixes was mixing in the slice very well uh, saw some nice slices in that match with Daniil and he is not somebody who looks like a tennis player because he's seven foot tall. He doesn't really have to move all that much. I think we talked about it when we were watching his match. He doesn't really have to move to get himself into position for some of the the ground stroke rallies. But then he does run down some balls. So he is just an, a bit of an anomaly. And it's nice to sort of see him be successful. And yeah, I do think he's a cool cat. He makes sure when he sits down at his chair that he has that art gallery bag, <laughs> that, paint, that pink bag showing the, the logo and the branding for the cameras. Who else? What other tennis player has an art gallery sponsor? Yeah, no, he's cool, period. Like, he's he's cool, and I'm curious to see, is he playing in the Western Southern? Is he take I he I believe so, but I'm not sure. Okay, well, when we can we, pull up the draw and check, I would imagine if he's made a promise to be there that he's going to be there. So I I'm curious to see how he does for the rest of the hard court swing. Yes, um, he is. He's there. He's playing Moutet in the first round. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily having to do with tennis, but a headline here in Canada uh, during the tournament. Um, our friend Fonini wearing the you know gay pride rainbow headband and wristbands um what did you think of that demonstration of support well he's sort of maintained it throughout uh he so i saw him on the wednesday session so that was his second match he lost to rublev so i was sort of cool to see those guys it was nice to see rublev because he's a player we've talked about a lot and to see him hit his forehand he probably hits the forehand harder than anybody Mm. on the tour in terms of uh just sheer power and pace for such a slight guy but um yeah i think it's cool that he's um you know on his apology tour and continues (laughs) to to wear it uh i saw some of the tlgta folks at the event and they're like it on on TV, it kind of looks like he's wearing the Jamaican colors because <laughs> it's hard to see because the obviously the headband is only as thick as a headband's going to be, so it's hard to see the six colors on the <laughs> on the headband. But um, to the context of the intent, uh, I like it. I think uh, somebody posted that he's still wearing it in Cincy, so he's obviously going to wear it probably through to the U.S. Open. I would assume. Yeah, uh, I get the vibe that he is authentically sorry, um, and I get. It's not that I don't give. I give him a pass, but I like that he is committed to making things right. So mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you see these gestures, um, and you ask yourself, oh, I don't, "I'm not so sure whether this is coming off as authentic, or you know, whether his PR people are saying that he should really do this." But this is, if there's anything that we know about Fabio, he's going to do what he wants to do. He's going to say what he wants to say. So you know, this gesture I thought was really nice. Yeah. To see. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I guess keeping with the men. We should talk about the winner. Oh yeah, we should. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I know I'm not his wife, but 
I'm the other person in his life who says they need a little bit more of him. Yeah, Daniil, Daniil Medvedev. He, yeah. he, he just kind of worked his way through the draw. He did. I, um, it was cool to see him because he is one of my favorite players. Uh, the matches that I saw him in, which were two, were very short. Uh, the one where he saw me and compared me to his wife. And <laughs> the other where he beat Isner two and two in like 53 minutes. Uh, the the most entertaining match, I think, of the tournament, uh, I didn't see live, was him against Hercatch. Mm-hmm. And he admittedly said in the... Uh, sort of handshake at the net that uh, Hercatch was the better player, which was correct. He was the better player for about uh, a set and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Daniil was uh, able to sneak out that second set in a tie break. And then uh, I think the third was also a tie break. So yeah, after that, it was pretty smooth sailing. But even in 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 Opelka, in the Opelka match, uh, he sort of showed his true form. And you saw a few of those clips of very long rallies mm-hmm. where Opelka looked like he had him on a on a string back and forth, and he's getting to every ball and getting you know lucky neck cords the one point that they keep showing on instagram where he hit the leg cord after running yeah. down like three or four balls that were pulling him way off court were just indicative of his his defense and and his ability to turn defense into offense is pretty incredible yeah i didn't have much hope for apelka in this final but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think on IG I was scrolling through and they had played. I mean, I don't know how many times they had played before, but I, but I think Apelka had beaten him at least once. Yeah, I in think a previous in, match in, in yeah. Russia was in it in Russia? Russia? Yeah, I think it was in Russia. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, yes, hard court, indoor things are a bit slower outdoors, so maybe there's a shot there. But yeah, I mean, I think that in the um, campaign for the U.S. Open, where you've got so many of the top players, particularly the big three that are just <laughs> seem broken, rehabilitating, need a <laughs> need a mental break. Daniil is the guy to really look at. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm always curious. Like that's the reason why I asked whether Apelka was playing next week, but. You know, it is a long, hot, hardcore season. So I wonder if there's a bit of like saving yourself and um, what's the expression? Um, you know, peaking at the right time for, for the US Open. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I mean, if I was a betting man, I put Daniel right at the top of that, right at the top of that betting chart. Yeah. And he's a former title holder in Cincy, which is started today. Uh, and he was already seen, um, according to his Instagram. Uh, warming up there so he's already <laughs> taken that short flight uh, from Toronto to Cincy I don't think he'll pl- he'll probably won't play until Wednesday mm. that turnaround girl that turnaround is quick all of our friends that are at the at, you know um, Jeff tournament director for the GLTA tournament you know a bunch of them that we know on our Facebook the GLTA message board are just lighting up with photos and Instagram stories of these exact same players on both women's and men's that were like one day in either Montreal Toronto and the next day literally like in Cincinnati I know it's a short flight but it's so surprising to me that they're just like ready to go at it again like you know I know and uh, I guess we should maybe segue to the women because 
Camila was on a similar <laughs> journey. T- she looked like she was taking a private jet with her a couple of friends <laughs> from Montreal to Cincinnati. And she was supposed to play the qualifying, but girl doesn't have to. Girl does not have to. She's in the top 40 again. I have to preface this by saying that no one ever thought that Camila Georgie was going to win this tournament. <laughs> I mean, if they did, they are like a 10 millionaire for sure. A 10 millionaire for sure. I will say, because I was in Montreal and I was with Russell, I think that the <laughs> happiest person is not even Camila Georgie herself. <laughs> it's Russell. It's Russell. Russell is such a hardcore fan of Camila, even from the jump of her career. You know how earlier you said it was it's a travesty that during these COVID times that all of these tournaments that are on the side courts, there can be no spectators. Sweetheart, Russell was screaming Camila Georgie's name. She was playing one of her earlier rounds on one of those side courts. <laughs> he could kind of see peek in between the windscreens and could see some of the points. So <laughs> that girl was so desperate to watch her favorite that he was like watching Camila illegally (laughs) (laughs) she is i it's it i haven't seen a lot of her play Mm. but when you watch her play yes it's hard to understand why she's not had better results and i think she's obviously dealt with some injuries she her game is so high risk and so she plays with so much pace and Mm -hmm. And maybe with a, a little bit less margin, except this week, that she's she's the one going for broke probably against opponents. So her unforced error rate is probably way higher uh, than under other players. But she beat some players this week. <laughs> I mean, she beat all the all she the players. All the- <laughs> she beat all the players. I mean, you just said it right there. She plays. Um, she really is a hitter. I truly, she's a hitter, and she has a lot of unforced errors. And the other piece and component that prevents her from being consistently in the top 20 and winning titles is her mental side. I mean, I have literally watched matches. I haven't haven't watched a live match of her before, but whenever she's televised, I like to catch her. I mean, listen, she's had some big wins in her life. She's beaten Azarenka, Wozniacki, Sharapova, all when they were number one in the world. Um, But Camila can go on a string of like, five billion errors in a row (laughs) and i mean that's the thing about high risk tennis you know it's risk and reward and it just happened to be one of these weeks i mean she did say in her post-match post-championship press conference that she's been working with her father who is her coach and trying to kind of work more with margins work herself into a point more do the things that she does best which is you know hit side to side and open the court um, more and I mean that really worked out for her. So, mm-hmm. yay! I'm so happy. Honestly, uh, Camila Georgie is a gay icon. <laughs> <laughs> One because she loves her fashion. Two because, I mean, I made this joke on IG today um, when she was photographed with that weird, um, you know, Isaac Newton, whatever the fr- frick ter- um, tournament trophy that is that we handed the winners. <laughs> What what is it? Is that an Adam? Is that an I, Adam? <laughs> uh, Stefan asked us to talk about this and said, "What is this trophy?" Because we have a history of of ragging on bad trophies. It it is. You could tell the players when they picked it up. They're like, "What is this?" 
that I'm holding. Like, there's a shot of Daniil, like, looking at it weirdly. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the ladies' doubles champions were also doing the same thing. I think it's, well, obviously there's the tennis ball in the middle. Okay. Um, and its base is the heads of two tennis rackets. Ah. I think and then it's like weird there's like weird strings that connect the ball to the racket base part i mean i think of all the trophies that you and i have seen this year this is probably one of the better ones at least it's conceptual yeah you know at least it's not like i'm gonna go to uh what what store michael's craft store look through the (laughs) through the five dollar bin and get a trophy for this tournament (laughs) yes but um what was my point about georgie oh here's the point Georgie does not smile. And when she smiled for that post-match trophy present, maybe she doesn't smile because she doesn't win. (laughs) (laughs) She's not used to winning. Yeah, but it was nice to see her smile. Mm -hmm. She set herself up well, making the quarters at the Olympics. And um, yeah, she beat Mertens, the number nine seed, former semifinalist at the French Open, Podoroska. Mm-hmm. Ponderosa. Sponsored by Ponderosa, sponsored <laughs> by Disney. Uh, Kvitova, the number seven seed. Goff, the number 15 seed. Pliskova in the final, making her third final. Mm-hmm. And then Pagula, who's some one of the other players that I wanted to talk about because another girl that hits the ball super duper hard mm. and has improved so much even though she's like made you know quarterfinals and semis and uh, lots of events to to see her um you know match against collins and then to see her <sighs> oh. in that match against um Angebour and oh. like take her you know compete and fight when the crowd is against or more for Jabour and mm-hmm. then take her out six love in that third set in the quarterfinal. It's like girl. And then, you know, going three cents against sets against Georgie. I was impressed. Yeah. JPEG, uh, JPEG's got it. Um, I, I forget the name of her coach, but her current coach was the former coach of Venus Williams. So she's in excellent hands. Um, David Witt, is that his name? David Witt. JPEG has, I mean, she didn't have an easy road. Like, her first three matches were, um, went to three sets. But she just has a very calm demeanor and exterior. And you can tell that one of her absolute strengths is her mental her mental toughness. She's not one of these players, like a former Camila Georgie, that may crumble under, under pressure. She always just has a very kind of calm exterior and tries to work herself back in a match. And no one, like no one wants to see their name drawn up against her in a tournament because it's like, you really got to show up and beat this girl if you're going to move on to the next round. So yeah, I agree with you. I thought JPEG had a phenomenal tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about the girl who had won like about 12 matches in a row in Danielle Collins? Okay, f- listen to me about this story here. So <laughs> I was I was getting, tur- getting turned in my hotel room uh, with, what did we have? We had a couple bottles of wine uh, it, a couple of bottles of wine, ready to hit the town, paint the town red, as we would say. I was watching the Collins Pagula match. Oh my God, Daniel Collins is fire. That match is a true. You know how we say a tennis match is won by a point here or there. That truly was the case in that match, and 
I mean, the fact that Daniel Collins took out Halep in the second round, albeit that Halep, mm-hmm. you know, this was her first match back. Um, Daniel, like I said, Daniel Collins is the one to watch, and she just kind of faced a, a more informed Pagula in that match. But I'm very, very excited to see what she brings at the Western Southern and at the U.S. Open this year. It's going to be fire. Yeah, and that that Halep match had a little bit of drama because I think she took a, <laughs> a, a medical break because she was having some pain. I forget what I forget what her injury is, but she. Um, apologized to Halep because she said she didn't want to be one of those players to to take a timeout, um, but she said she really needed it. She looked she looked in a lot of pain. So mm. I know you know uh, fans of tennis often rag on players who take injury timeouts or like extended bathroom breaks. I have to say, having seen Sitsi Pass's matches mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. in Toronto, he takes bathroom breaks and they're like 10 minutes after each set, basically. And, you know, part of it, I think, is to um, take a poop, but also <laughs> to <laughs> change those sweaty white shorts that are showing his <laughs> bum and nutsack, perhaps. Yeah, his gadunka dunk. What did you think about Sabalenka? Uh, she was one of the ones I think that I picked in the last episode. I, I can't remember if you did, mm-hmm. but again, she's sort of making it almost, almost there. I mean, she's just kind of uh, repeating her same story of like um, moving through the draw and just not, not taking it to the next level. You know yeah. what I mean? I. I don't know what it is about her game. I, I think at this point, when you really analyze her game, it's not necessarily anything that she can necessarily improve upon. She's doing all the right things. She just needs to, I feel like she needs that one breakthrough moment in a tournament to give her the confidence to really enter every quarterfinal, every semifinal, every final situation that she finds herself in and like really capitalize. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be honest, the fact that she was a number one seed, I was like, why is she number one? I mean, albeit there's a a bunch of ladies that are not there, but I mean, honestly, the question is, what did I think about her? I really didn't think much about her. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, no offense. I mean, I was really rooting, and maybe this is a natural segue, or you want to talk about Arena a little bit more, but that Marino-Sabalenka match, I thought that was going to be a good match to watch, but... It was not. <laughs> yeah, it didn't turn out to be. I think, you know, you had mentioned in our last episode that Sabalenka is the kind of player that Marino would do well against, you, mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, pound for pound up the ball. Pound, <laughs> <laughs> pound for pound is usually like a boxing reference, but, you know, uh, pounding for pounding in terms of how they hit the ball. But yeah, Sabalenka, I think she has obviously a little bit uh, better movement and mm. is 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 a bit more overpowering uh, with Rebecca, but yeah, that is I think the one of the nice moments of the tournament that uh, Marino came. If she didn't already, she came to realize that she belongs, having beat two top thirty players, uh, two players, one who's a former U.S. Open finalist who has sort of had middling results, but Paula Badosa who has had. Um, really good results the last six months. Did you did you see Rebecca Moreno in that third set against Bedosa? I didn't. I didn't catch that match. It, she was possessed by the spirit. <laughs> Can I tell you what? Please. Rebecca Moreno in that third set, first of all, 
I think they were playing in like 40, like they're pretty much playing on the surface of the sun. <laughs> it was hot it, in, in both cities. Sweetheart, Mon- when I was in Montreal, I was walking on the streets with my friends. I'm like, why am I work- walking on the surface of the sun? And I thought about Rebecca playing that match against Paula Batosa. I'm like, oh my God, how did they do that? Anyway, when I say that Rebecca was possessed by the spirit, girl, that third set, Rebecca Marino was just pounding that forehand. And it was so nice to see. You could really tell that she wanted it. And regardless of the fact that she lost in that third round against Sabalenka, she is, uh, to me, she is, uh, she's the second story to come out of the women's tournament. Um, everyone is rooting for her. Obviously, we had her on the show. Um, the, and the fact that she beat two distinguished players means that this is... Uh, Rebecca can be in any draw and make a third round quarterfinal semi. Like this is a, a result that I think is uh, indicative of more wonderful results to come for her. And you know, I was, I was thinking about it from the angle of like, you know, when when we were interviewing Christian Harrison, it's difficult to keep the momentum of entering tournaments, especially when you don't have the funds. And so, like, I was like, this girl is gonna have a nice little check, and she is going to continue her um her entry of the tournament and i hope it just is like the um, the impetus the what's the word i'm looking for the the the, the result catalyst? the catalyst that ignites you know more uh, more results for her because she deserves it she's she's amazing mm-hmm. i was so happy yeah, I mean, for her yeah me too obviously she was in the 200s and now she's jumped into the 100s in terms of her ranking to your point about Christian, we messaged him and we were like, it'd be lovely to see you in Toronto. And he's like, it's so hard to get into that event. Yeah. So, um, you know, it only, there's only 48 spots. So um, in Toronto and Montreal, unless you're Canadian or you're in the top 50 or 60 and you are in the qualifying, it's very difficult uh, to get into the 1000 events. Yeah. Um, so uh, no tea, no shade, but all tea, all shade. Rebecca and Gabby Dabrowski are probably the only Canadians that we were proud of. <laughs> listen, I, that's a nice segue. I mean, Layla, listen, we always love a Layla moment. I thought it was shocking that she lost to Harriet Dart qualifier. We were all thirsting for a Bianca Layla second round match. Um, Bianca, I don't know that we could expect much from Bianca. I did love the passion that she showed after winning that first round match. Um, and all of the gratitude that she showed for the Canadian fans that supported her. Um, so hopefully this is another building block for her return, especially with the U.S. Open coming up. But, oh, my God. Like, sorry, I was really irritated with Felix. Felix and Dennis more than Vashek. I yeah. was. Because there's expectations now for Felix and Dennis. And they both mm-hmm. fizzled out in the first round. Yeah, uh, Felix did the thing that Felix does, which is overhit on mm. everything. Mm-hmm. The conditions were a little bit, you know, out of sorts. They were, it was pretty windy the day. I did get to see him play. Um, I didn't mention him because I knew we were getting into this <laughs> segment at some point. But um, Livich played well. Um, he was moving Felix around quite nicely. Uh, he has a beautiful backhand, which is nice to see live. But Felix was uh, spraying that ball everywhere. Oh, 
Yeah, uh, ew. Like, get it together. Why? <laughs> like, and honestly, sorry, on that note, like, I don't know if it was, it was definitely not Felix, but he may have also released uh, some kind of message to his fans. But, like, Dennis cop losing to Tiafo, was it? Um, one in four. One in four first round, and then posting, like, thank you for all the support, you know, my fans from Toronto, uh, from Canada. Uh, uh. <laughs> like, ew, like, get your shit together, bro. Like, uh, honestly, like, we want you to do so well. You're on home soil. You're on yeah. home soil, and you didn't bring it. I mean, it, the annoyance just comes from wanting our Canadian players to do so well. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I was just, I was, yeah. I was very underwhelming. Yeah, there was soil everywhere, that's for sure. <laughs> Soiling the court. It was again, uh, I think Windy in the in the Dennis match, he was a bit, I think, disheveled somehow in the match. Uh, he, I don't think he had played for a while. I'm not making any excuses for him. Obviously, one and four is not uh, great. Um, he's beaten Tiafo before, so... And uh, yeah, Felix missing, spraying all the balls everywhere. And then as we we're watching Vashik, what did I say to you? I'm like, this is oh, what yeah. he does. He start. Ugh. He, I think won the. F- he maybe won the first set. I can't remember. If he yeah, won he won. He won the, the first set, set against Tommy Paul. Yeah. Right. He won the first set, and then he looks like he's gonna keel over. Looks like he's gonna barf a little bit. Um. Yeah, and his fitness seems to always be a thing, even though. Every time he's posting on the IG, he's training. He's <laughs> so I, I do get a little bit confused because it is a consistent pattern with him that he's always a little bit worn out. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, like going back to your whole kind of um, discussion about Pass taking what seems like an extended bathroom break. Um, Tommy Paul was getting a little annoyed with Vashek during his match, taking a little bit extra time to his towel, um, moseying on. I mean, I'm not sure what, um, you know, I, I know that the rule is if the server's ready to serve, the returner must be ready at the server's pace. And that def, def, definitely was not the case in the Tommy <laughs> Paul Vashek Pospisil match. Um, yeah, it is con- so confusing to me because when you see Vashek, uh, he looks like he's a, a physical specimen in form, great legs, but like he's just all tired. And he has this, uh, that that mushroom product that he's promoting. Is that for energy? Is he taking his own product? <laughs> What's his problem? Uh, like, whatever. Fashik, come talk to us. Let us know what your problem is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, do we have anything else to say about the Canadian, what, what we... What Wade thinks we should call the Canadian Open. He's, he doesn't think it should be sponsored. It should be all about Canada. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, this this is the second oldest tournament uh, next to Wimbledon, and it's a wrap. Uh, sorry, that's what Wade wants to call the tournament. He no, he thinks it should be called just the Canadian Open. Oh yeah, I agree. The Canadian yeah. like keep it simple and classy, man. Yeah. But it has to be called the National Bank Open because they need that sh money to give out the prize sh money. Yeah, NBO. Um, I don't know. What do you want to say? Well, listen. You and I had said during the Olympics that we needed to give more props to uh, doubles, and uh, what better occasion to do it than to give props to Gabby Gabby Dab Gabby Dab. Mm. 
Gabby Dabby. Is that is that what her friends call her? Do you know? I don't. I hope not. <laughs> Gabby. D- <laughs> Gabby Dabrowski. Congratulations. Um, remind me again who her partner was. Uh, her partner was Brazilian woman. Yes. Uh, Stefani. Yes, Stefani, who uh, was the Olympic bronze medalist. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, a, a Canadian came home with a title, and so that's yeah. super exciting. So, Gabby, we don't mention you as often as we should on our podcast, especially when you're racking up all these doubles titles. But thank you for bringing some Canadian pride to home soil with the championship. Yeah. One of the last things that we should probably talk about, which broke on finals day here in Canada was Roger Federer is going to be out for another knee surgery. Mm-hmm. He has said that uh, he will be on crutches for several weeks and off the court for several months and wants to give himself a, a glimmer of hope to be back on the court again in some way, shape or form. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on whether there is a hope for him to be back on the court yeah i think there's a hope for him to be back on the court but when you go back to our podcast that i believe it was the wimbledon podcast and he gave that interview in his post-match press conference discussing how difficult it was of an uphill journey post his first surgery and the fact that it took longer than he expected, especially with the rehab, and now having to face a second surgery that is also likely to take as long, if not longer, to get back to a form that he hasn't been able to recapture for years. When you have all of those factors stacked against you, you are going to cry if you're <laughs> Roger. And you're also and going if to... if you're fans. <laughs> and if you're fans. And... Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a good opportunity for all of you Roger Federer fans out there to um, shed your tears now. (laughs) It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn the loss of your legend and your icon. I mean, he's not dead, but I mean, tennis-wise, I think he pretty much is, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But he gave a lot to the sport. And if he comes back and he does a third round at Wimbledon, Take it as a victory. We love you, yeah. Roger. We do. But I mean, it's it seems like insurmountable circumstances to have to go through a second surgery and vie for a 21st Grand Slam title IMO. Yeah, I mean, I think you hinted at it earlier and we're not trying to be callous in any way, but we're we've talked about it probably for the entirety of our <laughs> podcast journey in that we have tried to enjoy yes. all of the other players and talent that are on the tour and there are plenty of people to get behind, you know, as as I shared in my TV journey this week a little bit more Daniil in my life because he's thoroughly entertaining he's great for the game uh, he has personality clearly mm-hmm. uh, he, he mistook me for his wife briefly <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, up and comers and you know players who are established now who are going to be winning those slams uh, players like Nishikori Raonic Chilich, 
um, all those guys who were in the era of the big three, mm-hmm. uh, their time has, I think, passed. And these other players, I think, are in this place where now they're going to start snatching uh, these titles. And it's just going to be a matter of time. And maybe it'll be a matter of a couple of weeks. But we do know um, Djokovic is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably at the US Open. We'll see. Uh, if Nadal ends uh, up uh, being there, but he did injure himself on the practice court, and I guess it's sort of a recurring injury to his foot. Yeah, Rafa was so enthused to have to do, make that announcement via IG. <laughs> did y'all watch that on IG? He could give two shits about making that announcement. He was like, I'm so sorry, I have to withdraw, and he was like, bye, and like literally walked out, out of the video. Whoever is in charge of that IG, did you not have editing uh, like rights like just cut that last part out that showed his disinterest like what is wrong with y'all <laughs> yeah he was Alden and I talked about this he was clearly not happy to have been asked by the National Bank Open Keeps <laughs> to shoot a video uh, acknowledging that he was withdrawing from the tournament because <laughs> the, the tail end of it he kind of like rolled his eyes like can I go now yeah exactly but Honey, yeah, you were advertised for the Wednesday night at the Monday and Tuesday night sessions. So you know, just do your short little video, yeah, and uh, acknowledge and allow people to mourn, yeah, um, that you aren't going to be there because you were the defending champion. So it it took you thirty seconds. You could have been a bit more energetic and enthused about it. But hopefully, we see you at the U.S. Open. Yeah. I wonder what all these like Federer, Rafa, and Djokovic fans are doing now that there's no Roger, Rafa, and Novak action going on. Like, do they have a, do they have like a do they have like a you know a number two? They're, they're like, oh okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna root for Casper Rude now. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, they're gonna have to find somebody. I mean, one of the last question maybe we should try to answer and we won't be able to get the answer but will those three Mm. be in a tournament together ever again oh gosh that's a sticky question um it's it looks very unlikely right now yeah i mean well it looks very unlikely at least for the next six to seven months with roger undergoing knee surgery Mm. um so yeah i don't know Hopefully it's not the end, the start of the end of the era. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Mm. I mean, every beginning has an end. Listen, I had to live through the end of the Steffi Graf thing, you know, and I had to have my mourn and I had to cry and I have to do all of that when she lost to Lindsay Davenport at the Wimbledon 99 tournament. So, you know, this is a smooth transition into something new, but with newness is excitement. Yeah, you said every beginning has an end. Exactly. And every end has a beginning. So the National Bank Open is ended. The Western and Southern Open (laughs) is beginning. And uh, we'll probably talk about that next week. We will talk about that next week. (laughs) (laughs) Until then. Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, Please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.